and he's got to go to Middlesbrough and get something. I am not playing mind games, I am talking about facts. If I speak, I am in, in big trouble. And I think you, 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 are, you are an ostrich. Hello everyone and welcome to Talking Absolute Ball Podcast. It is me and I, Cameron, joined this week by just Mr. Miller. It's Alex, how are you? I'm feeling very dependable, Cam. I feel like I am, you know, old reliable here in my chair. You are Mr. Reliable, but where is Mr. Unreliable? I don't know, I'm pretty sure he's busy in Greece directing Mamma Mia 3. Uh, you'd have to ask yeah. him. Well, Star- the starring, next time he's ever on. Starring Vin Diesel, it's going to be a big tonal shift in the franchise. I look forward to that. Who who are the other co-stars? If if one's Vin Diesel, um, I'm thinking Sylvester, Mr. Give, Stallone. Give, give me a bit of Jason Statham in there. Oh, I like it. Basically just the Expendables, but with some singing. <laughs> put, put it in a Greek island. I love it. Um, it's been a magical week for football uh basically for me scored a hat trick and i still think he's awful um he scored as many goals as probably arsenal has combined this year but i still refuse to accept he's any good it's that liverpool team alex how happy have you been recently with liverpool's form we will discuss a bit more in depth because we're going to talk about champions league that's to come up uh, but just give me a, an overview you must be in euphoria right now with how well liverpool's doing I'm just so happy to have beaten Atletico. It's up there now um, with the Man Uniteds of this world of just the the fixtures I absolutely hate but love it when it goes right. And the fact we beat them in part because of them getting pretty well screwed over by VAR. They got shafted, let's be honest. It just makes it delicious. So, uh, you know, couldn't have happened to a worse bunch of people and I love it. To do it away as well at the Wonder Metropolitano, is it? Or yeah, Palatano? happy, happy hunting I, ground it's becoming. It is, but I have to say, I think that's a huge achievement. Like, this isn't even Atletico of a few years ago. This is probably Atletico, well, maybe not zooped up because, well, they're reigning La Liga champions, for goodness sake, mm. at their home patch where they often do well. well uh, and going there and not just getting any kind of result, but winning that, I think, was tremendous. I know. We'll, we'll come to it in more detail later on, I'm sure, but... I. I VAR shenanigans aside, I actually think we were good for it as well. So I, I'm extremely happy at the moment. And uh, a quick recap of how Arsenal are doing. Uh, we basically just annihilated Palace. I think we should leave it at that. <laughs> um, hey, Aubameyang's well, n- good again. That's, you know, I, well, things to hold uh, on to. I assume you watched it. More than his just his finishing, which of course is a relief. The work rate, I've not seen it from him. I've seen it in the odd game, you know, Spurs, but that was quite tremendous. It, it, if I'm honest with you, often under Arteta, it's been the rest of the team have been doing hard yards and you're just wishing Aubameyang would, you know, finish the ball or you're not expecting him to do that. But this week it was he was doing everything and I just wanted a bit more heart and grip from the rest of them, um, which ironically I think Lacazette showed when he came on. And we could be looking at a return of the old guard, which I wouldn't be too upset with at the moment. Uh, I love Emil Smith-Rowe and, and Saka, and, and and I'm still warming to Erdegaard. But I actually think we may need to go back to basics a little bit with this uh, goal issue. Get, like I said, up there, forming a partnership with Aubameyang. Let's just see where it goes. Uh, but sadly, this week is not going to be about Arsenal. And why is that? Because, because we are going to be discussing the Champions League. It's because we're talking about Europe, which on yes. any conceivable level makes Arsenal irrelevant at the moment. 
Sorry. Thank you for that. I was going to leave it at Champions League. Get, get that in there. I'm craving Europa League at this point. That's how bad it's got. Um, but yes, we thought we would discuss Champions League. Uh, hold on. I think let's go back. There was one other big news story of the week, and that is Steve Bruce leaving his role at Newcastle as head coach. It seemed pretty inevitable. However, how it was done was very sad. Give us a little run through the events, Alex. It was inevitable, wasn't it? But uh, I never thought I'd say this for a manager that I didn't used to have the most tremendous amount of respect for in the world. But I think the whole way it's been handled by the media especially is just really pretty disgraceful. Yeah, He was obviously going to go, but... Was it necessary for Sky Sports to make it 24-7 coverage for the week and a bit leading up to it? Yeah. I, I enjoyed um, I, I enjoyed the pre-match before the Spurs game where he had a little bit of a dig at that. Um, and if you saw it, a, a journalist touched a nerve, I think, in continuing that line of, you know, when are you going, questioning. and um, he. It's just abhorrent, really. I couldn't believe yeah, it. Yeah. I mean, there's a human being on the end of all this. Uh, and by all accounts, if not the best manager in the world, a pretty stand-up guy. But um, mm-hmm. I, I quite enjoyed him popping back saying, um, I can't remember the exact words verbatim, but it was along the lines of, well, you said you were, you said I was going to be gone before this match, so you made a mistake. Does that mean you're leaving your job? Yeah. And considering the guy's usually quite softly spoken, it was you know telling seeing him lose his rag a little bit there. And then there's mm-hmm. the, the heartbreak... Uh, just absolutely gutting uh, statement he put out about some of the abuse he's been on the receiving end of during Mm -hmm. his Newcastle tenure. When, to be honest, I think he's done all that could have been realistically expected from a Newcastle manager at that point. Absolutely. He's kept them up, uh, maybe not always convincingly, but I mean, towards the end of last season, kept them up with a bit of a flourish, no less. So, and that coincided with his best players coming back from injury. He yeah. can't account for yeah. uh, St. Maximin and Wilson being out injured. Uh, look, I'm not going to say that I'd want him as the next Arsenal boss, but like you say, I think that he's a, a stand-up person and a more than competent manager who deserved a lot more respect than what he's been shown in la- on the lo- over yeah. the last couple of weeks. I, I completely agree. It, just to cap this off, it's not just the last couple of weeks either. He's been under siege since taking that job. From yes. yeah, from fans who you know seem to have made him a target for their anger as much as they have very fairly made Mike Ashley a target for it as well, and I don't mm-hmm. think that was ever particularly fair. It's a man who loves Newcastle United, who I'm sure did absolutely everything in his power the last couple of years to make it work, and to be honest, in the face of some pretty relentless and uh, insulting commentary and abuse for over two years now. I think he's been an absolute, he's been an absolute sort of example the way he's conducted himself during that and the way he's sort of hunkered down in this siege mentality. So I, I actually think, you know, when maybe when the dust settles on this one, he'll get a bit more um, praise and gratitude for the way he's not just ran the club the last two years, but for the way he's. Um, conducted himself as well and that's that's the last um gushy thing i will say about steve bruce who as i said before isn't somebody i ever thought i'd be giving out all this praise to but i, I think it needs saying that he has been a, a credit i think 
if not on the management side, then on the personal side in the last two years. Because I know for a fact that I would have melted under a, a quarter, a fifth even, of the stick that he's got the last 24 months. I No, I agree. And I, I felt that he was often used... I don't know intentionally or not, but as a shield to Mike Ashley, the blame, the, the hatred they had for him, uh, it was often thrown the way of Steve Bruce. Um, one thing, though, uh, I was very happy to see was you, you see a lot of when a manager leaves, players' response to that on social media, and, and a lot of it's positive, but it's often um, rather PC and, and uh, very generic. But uh, a really heartfelt message from uh, Newcastle star player at the moment, Alan Say Maximan, uh, really hitting home just how liked and popular he was within the club. Um, but also perhaps the things, like like I say, that people from the outside don't see how caring he's been to, to players uh, at different parts of their career at Newcastle and so on. But uh, I know you saw and were rather touched by, it, by that as well. And seeing as, um, like you say, how much abuse... Steve Bruce received from the outside. It's nice to see the support he was getting within, well, within the player network at least. Yeah, it was lovely, wasn't it? And probably goes a long way to explaining why they have managed to stay afloat the last couple of years. Seems mm. to be that the um, the dressing room, at least, seems you know, seemed in hindsight to be quite strongly united. So, um, despite the deficiencies at that club, some of which were his fault, as we both said. You know, we we neither of us would call him the greatest manager going at the moment, but so much of that's been out of his control, and it's nice to see uh, some evidence at least that he was held in high regard by the players working for him. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, well, I was just thinking a bit uh, moving away back to the Newcastle uh, topic. It's going to be coming up throughout, I know, but the the rumor mill is. Uh, well, it's just beginning for Newcastle fans and, and them as a club. But I thought, other than Newcastle fans, who will be most pleased by the Saudi takeover? Probably Barcelona fans. All of Barcelona's Deadwood are now being linked uh, with a move to Newcastle. And very surprisingly, the one name I wanted to throw at you that has been linked in the last few days is Ousmane Dembele, a player who I know you're a fan of. I believe only 24 still being linked with a move to Newcastle. How crazy is that? Who would have thought it being in our uni days, playing with Dembele, thinking this this guy's going somewhere, you used to tell me. He's going to St. James's Park soon. <laughs> yeah, I've called this one for a long time. I, I I was a big fan of him. As you know, I've I've called a lot on that in the last couple of years, to be honest with you, but I still think there's a player there. If Newcastle can pull that off, I think that would be fine. I think a lot of it depends on who they replace Steve Bruce with. I mm. I think the Fonseca rumours are pretty hilarious, to be honest. But I, I'm I, surprised I, by them. Yeah, I'm sure that's something we'll we'll talk about. I, I've given yeah. up. Seems to be on this pod that we'll talk about a manager being a dead set for a certain club, and then he'll go somewhere else. So I'm weary of um, treading into those waters again. So I'm sure we'll talk about that in greater detail in the future. But. Sure, if I was a Newcastle fan, I'd want Dembele, wouldn't you? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and to be fair, half of uh, Barcelona's Ted Wood, I think it's quite interesting. We kind of uh, mentioned it on the last week's podcast. What shop they're shopping in. It's, it's as I kind of imagine. They are going for that 
uh, underplayed superstar it's, players, your I, Coutinho's, your MTTs. It's quality. They aren't going for Oxley Chamberlain. No, it's quality players that need uh, a career reset that they're looking yeah. for at least at the moment. I'm a little bit skeptical if they can attract those players in the immediate future. By that I mean January, maybe even this summer coming. I think they yeah. may have to lessen their slight slightly, but maybe they can pick up one or two of these types. The the thing they've got counting against them at the moment, and, and this is why I think the managerial appointment is huge, is that when City were getting taken over, they were, I forget where they were in the season right before, but I think Sven got them up to, what, circa 10th uh, place? Yeah, mid -table uh, lower middle table, I believe. Yeah, that's a hell of a lot different to being in a survival fight. And it is a real fight for Newcastle this season. And yes. I, I just think immediate future, you with all the money in the world, you can't make a player sign up for that fight. But if they can make wise signings of, you know, six or seven out of 10 players that might get them to 14th place, 13th place, mm. then they can start bagging not just one or two of these top class career reset guys, but actually start assembling a team of them. And then, you know, maybe that gets you to sixth or fifth and then, you know, the sky's your limit when you start yeah. going from that point. Obviously, the predictions on this show, as we know, are uh, always very reliable. However, I do see this going the same way City went to a certain degree. I could see them picking up the best of the rest players Robinho. from the league to begin with. And then I I couldn't work out wh why this Dembele rumor was sticking to me, like the kind of mercurial winger talent, kind of bit part player at their superstar club. Robinho, Dembele. I can see Dembele being Newcastle's Robinho, not meaning he'll be a superstar for them, as in will transform the club on his own, but it's the message it sends out. And from there, it's a springbok to signing other top players so i guess it is an exciting time for all the uh, moral questions that have been posed and will continue to be uh it is a kind of watch this space for newcastle and their fans um if there's anything else to add please feel free but i think uh let's move on to the champions league yeah i say move on let's move on okay so i was thinking let's as it's halfway through the group stage let's just kind of go over where that some of the teams are at, there's some surprising ones in their groups, um, and where who we think are going to go through basically. So let's just start off at Group A. Uh, group A, which has it's a it's a big old big boy group, PSG, City, uh, Club Bruges, and Leipzig, which in that order is how they are at the moment. Uh, if I'm honest with you, the place to start for me is that Leipzig are dead last without a point on the board. I uh, I think it's quite incredible to be honest the the team that was the semi-finalist two years ago i believe uh obviously they've been raped and pillaged uh somewhat continuously but that team is still in my book should be a higher than club bruges and they've obviously lost to them um how do you see that group going i think it stays the the same as it is uh, leipzig will look really flat when they have been playing it's there's nothing really there that would make you think there's a comeback on the cards. They've conceded 11 goals and already now 
you mm. think you know they've got four points to make up on Bruges, who are who have the right mindset. I think when you're a team like yeah. that in these groups, and it's something you see quite often how they get written off, but you see them more often than not pick up five or six points across the total group stage, maybe squeak into the Europa League spot. They're not going to give that up. So no. I think they're probably done this year. Something that um, sticks in my mind about Leipzig is playing them in the Champions League last season in the round of 16. They had some injury problems, I think, to their defence especially, which perhaps echoes what they look like with some of their players missing this Was it Canate? Well, perennially (laughs) injured and is somewhere in an Anfield cupboard. But... but, um, uh, it was it was a time of the season also when Liverpool were just losing games for fun in the Premier League. Yeah. The the standout of that losing streak was two wins against Leipzig, and it wasn't that hard. So I think even last season the signs were there that this team was going to really struggle when some mm. of the top talent left, and it's just been compounded this year. So yeah, I I think they're done. I think that group finishes pretty much exactly as it is. Maybe there's a chance. PSG and City swap around, but it's a bit like rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic. I don't think it matters that much. Yes, no. yes, you arguably want to be first, but there are a few sort of um, groups in this tournament where you're looking at the second place teams and thinking it's not going to be that much easier than the teams that win those groups anyway. So I think sure. that stays it as, is, as it is. Well, now that I look at it proper... I don't think there is any chance for Leipzig to get above them because even if they win the reverse fixture against Club Bruges, that leaves them on three points, but they've got to find a point somewhere from PSG or City, which uh, seems a thankless task. Although they did play rather uh, valiantly uh, away at PSG this week, uh, narrowly losing 3-2. I must say PSG just aren't aren't clicking for me. And it sounds a bit silly, but... They're relying on superstar moments from their numerous superstars. Do you, do you understand what I mean? They're, whereas a Liverpool, which we'll move on to, I know I, I really feel playing as a team with superstars within that and they've got this kind of structure. I just don't see it from PSG. It's get the ball to Mbappe to go on some sort of run and obviously they have Messi now and Neymar will be out injured somewhere or just partying somewhere else. So I, it would not surprise me that City get a result against PSG because I believe it's at the Etihad. So... For me, it might be City winning that group with PSG second, but as you say, uh, I don't really think it matters too much. But then Club Bruges going into the Europa League, I think is a really good result from seeing as they were lumped into that group. I know, it's it's a great achievement from that group. Just one more thing on PSG. I completely agree with what you said, that there doesn't seem to be much method there. It just seems to be um, let the let the stars handle it. Isn't that so much more surprising coming from a Pochettino side as well? Um, it's Cause I I can't explain it. It such a system, it's... such a sort of a rigid system-driven manager who yeah. perhaps in the past has actually been criticised for not giving players the creative freedom they've needed to show their talents. It, I don't know if he's overcorrecting or if he's struggling to compete with the egos in that setup, but um, something seems off. Well, well, at least as off as a team that's currently got like nine wins and one defeat in a domestic league can be off. But you know what yeah. I mean when I'm saying that. Something's not quite Abs- right. Absolutely. I, I think that, and he could, again, prove me totally wrong. He doesn't strike, he strikes me as, as a superb manager. I think he's wonderful. In fact, I think with this current crop, 
of Arsenal players, I think he'd be amazing at. I think he's brilliant at getting the best out of what he has, as he did at Spurs. That run to the Champions League final, just amazing. Um, but I, I think you need a bit of bit of something, a bit of Jose Mourinho to really galvanise top players. Do you know what I mean? I'm not even a massive Mourinho fan, but even a Carlo Ancelotti, that kind of experience with those superstars, I don't think he was ever prepared with having Neymar, Messi, Mbappe, and, or you can add Di Maria to that, Icardi, all these players who want minutes, who arguably deserve minutes, and now he's trying to appease all of them, whereas he just had one superstar saying Kane, who followed him almost as a lapdog before. I, I, I think that it's a really interesting almost case going on at PSG at the moment. Crucially, a superstar he built with Kane as well, not one that he inherited. And, and Son. And Son. Well, nearly all of those lingering superstars, Spurs players, was built by yeah. Pochettino. He's, and he's, I think that's what he's good good at. It's the first club he's walked into which has ready-made stars there. It may be an adjustment period. He may master it. It has happened before. And I'm definitely not ruling him out there. But I think no. he's feeling the uh, the adjustment right now. He is. Come on then, let's move on to Group B. There's one team with maximum points and it is Liverpool. Uh, followed by the team you dispatched during the week, Atletico Madrid. Uh, a bit surprising to me is this one, which we'll dive into perhaps first. Porto joint, uh, on points at least, they are third uh, due to negative goal difference. Um yeah, and that's our Milan. fault. That's our fault as yeah. well, by the way. <laughs> yes, that is your fault. We could have FFC Madrid at this point if it weren't for you. Very selfish. <laughs> uh, but yes, an AC Milan propping up the table with no points, uh, which, uh, again, I would, would have thought going into it, it would be the other way around, uh, Porto fourth and Milan third. Mr. Miller, obviously, you're the best person yeah. to talk about this group. So... Go ahead, please. I cannot begin to tell you the amount of very obviously misplaced anxiety I had when this group was announced. Now, it when I saw this, and I'm thinking back to um, some very, very average Liverpool runs in Champions League group stages before. I mean, the season we won it a, a couple of seasons ago, we were one very late Alisson wonder save away from being in the Europa League for the rest of the season. So when this yeah. group was announced, I was looking at you know, Liverpool under Klopp. It's a tough group. Exactly. Well, this is it. And I was thinking Liverpool under Klopp, we've not always turned up in the group stages. It tends to be slug through, find some magic in the knockouts. I was worried. So then mm. to ha- straight away, that win against Milan, I immediately thought, no, actually, we're going to be all right here. Played really well against Milan. Obviously, the dismantling of Porto in Porto was great as well. Uh, not to brag, but a feeling Liverpool fans have gotten quite used to. Um, and then last night was just the the, oh, the icing on the cake. A team I absolutely despise dispatched in, in really sort of quite often very shithouse fashion. I loved yeah. it. Absolutely loved it. So... I, I thought, I, I ultimately thought coming into this, yeah, we're going to get through, but it might be scrappy. To think mm-hmm. first three games over, two of them are the away legs, come out of nine points. I'm, I'm on cloud nine. You know, we pick up one more draw out of the next three now and we're through. So, yeah, I couldn't be any happier yeah. with that. And maybe 
talk me through uh, some of the other teams in there. Is there a reason you see Milan uh, being last? Because I, I really think that they're a better team on paper, at least, than Porto. Obviously, they got that uh, 1-0 win, Porto, this week. Uh, but it does shock me that Milan haven't picked up a point yet. I think we often undervalue just how important consistent Champions League experience is. Yes, mm. Milan are a better team on paper than Porto, but Porto are reliably in the Champions League and when they're not put in borderline groups of death like this one, are almost reliably, you know, round of 16 Knockout contestants. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. They play Absolutely, yeah. Champions League group stages, play them reasonably well every single season. I it's one of those intangible things that it's difficult to pin it all on because there's not a, a stat you can look at for that. But mm. We've seen how important that is. For example, the first few seasons, Man City were in the Champions League four, and they were floundering. They got through the group stages, granted, but very rarely convincingly, and they didn't tend to last much longer after that. So I think part of it is just Milan have come back into this competition for the first time in I I can't I don't know how many years off the top of my head, but it feels like a while. Yes. Or at least they haven't been consistently in it for a while, a year there, a year here. And I think it does hurt if you're not the best team in the group and then have to go up against a, what is a Champions League B team in Porto, but one that is mm. still very experienced in that environment. I, You know what? I think you've hit the nail on the head there because one thing that Milan, like you say, they've been out in the wilderness a little bit and they've kind of... Uh, come through with this emergence of youth players, uh, Rafael Liao and, and, and so on, Salamakis. And so they don't have that Champions League experience, which probably the majority of Porto's team does. Like, bloody hell, Porto, I think they're captained by Pepe, for goodness sake. Yeah. So, well, that, um, well, that's great the thing. Point, yeah. it's, it's a really young team as well, so there's a, an almost a, a double layer of inexperience there. I think this yeah. Milan side will be fine long-term, and I quite like seeing them come back into a little bit. It's a team I have all the respect in the world for. And mm. to be honest, a, a bit of a soft spot for as well because of that respect. But yeah. I, they're just—I'm surprised by it as well. But in hindsight, they seem—it's nice to see them back at the top table. Uh, absolutely, but in hindsight, at the top table. Sorry, yeah. in hindsight, or at least sort of at this halfway juncture, they have not been ready for it. Yeah. Okay, Group C. I really like oh. what's happening oh. here. I know you're going to like this as well. I've got some strong feelings on this one. <laughs> I know it's it is one that has shocked many maybe unjustly because they are such a good team and even more have a superb manager he's this, done it again he's he's <laughs> only gone and bloody done it again that Eric Ten Hag he's got Ajax maximum points beating which I thought it was almost nailed on to be honest a Dortmund uh, dominant group but Dortmund are a second Sporting, Lisbon third, and Besiktas again, propping up the table with zero points. But I think we start off with Ajax dismantling Dortmund 4-0 this week. Uh, Sebastian Haller, top goal scorer in the competition. David Moyes, where are you at? Um, <laughs> just talk to me about your affection for Mr. Ten Hag. I just, I, I love the man, how he's built... Um, a pretty legendary Ajax side three years ago, has watched it being absolutely dismantled and has just rebuilt another one that 
isn't at that level yet, but looks like it has every potential of achieving that. Yeah, I think he's a terrific manager who has his team and his players play terrific football, no matter who they are. I I think he is the hot managerial prospect on the mo- if you can if he, and that's if you can still call him a prospect. I'd argue he's you know borderline established as a top name at this point. And um, as a Liverpool fan, knowing that you know Klopp's got two full seasons left after this one, and is pretty certain not to extend that any further. There's always going to be an element of succession planning that creeps into your mind. And mm. how perfect would he be? I, I, Can I, you I see him remaining at Ajax for another this, but this two is the thing. seasons? I, I don't see it because surely if there is any sense in the world, he gets picked up by somebody else in that intervening period. And even if he doesn't, we seem to be pretty set on a Stevie G coronation anyway. But I, I, I think he's a fabulous manager one of the top names and I'm absolutely certain he will go to um he will leave Ajax pretty soon and that's no disrespect on Ajax but I just think he's ready to become um I may I may be way too overhyping this but I just think he's ready to become one of the elite managers in the game he just needs to step up to do that no I I totally agree it's that interesting discussion that one normally has about well it's only the Eredivisie, like, is can he translate that to a big league? But I think you don't get many bigger challenges than the Champions League, and he does it consistently. They've, con- that are, they've conceded yeah. one goal for all the focus on yeah. like their wonderful football, rightfully so. They've conceded one goal, eleven and eleven scored, <sighs> one conceded. Yeah. That is mental. And you look at Dortmund with all their attacking threat, three goals, and obviously they conceded four, so five conceded. I just making a bit of a mockery of that group to be honest and I, it isn't it isn't the most difficult once you look past Dortmund but anyway um, I, I just thought that 4-0 win yeah, was so resounding I, it was I, quite I mean, shocking you say actually that if, if in other sort of years is sporting that far removed in the pyramid from where Ajax is it's another one of those Porto like teams that's always seems to crop up in the group stage or at least is in there every other year so it's not not a no, not, not the easiest. Besiktas also uh, not. They've quite got in Pjanic that, now. Yeah, not twice as well. Mold, but are always, or more often than they're not, do seem to appear in this competition. Uh, so mm. I, I don't want to take anyway. Uh, no, it's not the hardest group in the Champions League. But I, I almost don't want to mention the negatives because I feel like it'd be so unjust on this mm, IX team enough. to not just let them bask in this really exciting um, start that they've had I'm not tipping yeah. them to win the competition obviously no. but it, it, it just again shows the uh, I, I've talked about Ten Hag's quality but it shows the quality of the setup there as well that they can sure. recycle and rebuild in such a short amount of time and already be hitting levels similar to that team of um, two or three years ago Yeah, I, th- I, I love I it think... more, show me more I almost don't yeah. want it to leave Ajax uh, Ten Hag this is because I just like watching what him and that club working in perfect harmony uh, can achieve I'm kind of curious to see mm. what would happen if they don't get dismantled one day which is never going to happen but wouldn't it be interesting to see sure and I think there's a lot to be said though when you're talking about them being dismantled and so on uh, and rebuilding a lot of work's done above I know they've got a really good structure with uh, van der Sar and Overmars 
uh, it'd be interesting if you took those three out of the club or even one I don't know um, how successful they'd be but it would be really it'll be really interesting to see them in the latter stages against uh, Dortmund are a big boy but they're not a big big boy uh, and see how they go but look sure. look what they did three years ago um, wouldn't, exactly. put, par- wouldn't put it past them to do it again exactly and that doing so much with so little is sadly painfully heartbreakingly what I think would make him such a fantastic Liverpool manager. So it's a shame that I'm going to predict I will never get to see that. But I, I love this man, and I think I will be, provided he doesn't become, you know, fucking Man United manager or something. I think I will yeah. be a fan of his for as long as his career lasts. Absolutely. Group D. Now this is arguably the shock <laughs> of the tournament. Sheriff. <laughs> Who had heard of them before this competition? Not I, topping a group which contains Real Madrid and Inter Milan and Shakhtar Donetsk, another one of those Porto-esque, consistent Champions League teams. Uh, had you heard of Sheriff before this year? <laughs> no, I, I hadn't. I can't even claim, can't begin to claim otherwise. Madrid seem to be the kind of team that do get blindsided by these unknown teams. You know what I mean? Like, Obviously, you forget the times when they actually batter them 6-7-0. But they do seem to be the ones that shock defeat for Madrid by unknown Ukrainian team or so on. Um, I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Uh, but yes, uh, Sheriff of first. Uh, unexplainably, to be honest. I, I, I don't know if you can explain how they're first, but, but they are. And, and not beating... The, they beat Madrid and Shakhtar Donetsk to get there, losing this week to Milan. Uh, but... I think with six points, do you see them finishing in those top two places? I, for one, no. do think the fairy tale <laughs> may go. But it, equally, <laughs> them getting into the Europa League, I think, is an unbelievable result for them. This is it. Uh, one that they would have never have seen coming, entering into the competition. Exactly. Um, oh, and I saw this really funny thing during the Madrid game. Um, they're, <laughs> they're so light on resources. Uh, their Twitter team was obviously being used during the game. <laughs> and so, they, you know, like most teams have dedicated social media yeah. uh, workers who obviously whoever scores or anything happening during the game will tweet out, you know, minute 80 of goal for whoever. They beat Madrid and there was no tweets from their account for three hours. I love it. Amazing. I, uh, to and be I, honest, great I, story. I love that. You know, it, it, it's one thing to not be able to live tweet what is far and away the greatest moment in your club's history. What I like is that it took them three hours till after the fact to do it because it just shows yeah. they were... Look, I'm not going to say how they were enjoying themselves, but I reckon... <laughs> you were there, weren't I, you? I, well, I wish. I reckon it was a good time and I reckon that's why it took them three hours to think, oh, crap, we should probably put something up here, lads. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, amazing story, but as, as we're saying, yeah, I don't probably... Think- be a Madrid into Milan. They've got to play. It's, I think this double Milan header is probably what's going to hurt them. Yeah. Uh, I imagine Milan will probably, you'd imagine, you know, things have, you know, uh, it wouldn't be beyond the realm's reason, but Milan will win again and then Madrid will probably go. Madrid, I think, are looking, okay, somewhat inconsistent at times, but Benzema, Vinicius Jr. starting to look really interesting with Rodrigo. Uh, they're still you know, clinging on to a Modric, uh, Cruz pivot, but anyway. Uh, and I've been really surprised by Madrid because I thought losing Ramos and Varane would be 
more harmful than what has happened. But then I guess Alaba's top, such a top player anyway. Um, any other comments about that group? Shakhtar Donetsk being last? Like, they're normally there or thereabouts. So that's a bit of a surprise. Uh, yeah, well, it's only a surprise because Sheriff is the team that you would have penciled in sure. as a dead set for last before. I, I, I don't really have anything other to offer than agreement. You're absolutely right. This is the spell where Sheriff drop out of that top two. But, I mean, they're going to get into the Europa League. Bar- barring barring Shakhtar overcoming what a five point deficit and a mountain of a goal difference, and I think yeah. if you're, I was gonna say, I think if you're a sheriff fan, as if I have any sort of reference point to get into the head of a sheriff fan, but <laughs> I I imagine at least that they would be absolutely thrilled with that. So all power to them. It's been one of the more um, entertaining stories of the Champions Absolutely. League so far. No, totally. Group E, if you want to talk about dominance, there is a team in here. Yeah. Bayern bloody Munich, full points, 12 goals, none conceded. And this is a group that contains Benfica, Dynamo Kiev and Barcelona. Um, so just to run through, Bayern first, Benfica second, Barcelona third, Dynamo Kiev last i don't think we need to say much about kiev sadly uh, a quick word about how dominant bayern are and continue to be starting to click isn't it there there, yeah. there was a bit of a shaky start to the new era the post hands flick era but it's starting to click there and i think that's a, a really formidable side i in some ways it shouldn't be as surprising as it is just how comfortable they have looked but I I would be intimidated if I had anything if I had anybody else in Europe. Their dismantling of Benfica the other night, coming, you know, after the weekend where they scored five in the first half against Leverkusen, yeah. who were supposed to be, um, if not a peer rival, then you know at least somebody to make them pause for thought. But it's starting to click under Na- uh, under Nagelsmann now, and uh, both you know domestically and in Europe. And I think there's a team that will be in the, the semi-finals, if not further. I don't think you can predict further than the semi-finals of any certainty, no. but I, I think they'll be in the the short list for the, the champions here. Well, they're, they're top four team in Europe, yeah. surely. So, uh, well, I think of the, the elephant in the room here is Barcelona. Uh, sitting at the moment third with three points, one behind Benfica, have been shoddy only getting a 1-0 win this week over Kiev for their first points on the board squeaked it as well yes. we're not great value for it either I'm here we are I am surprised by how badly they're doing I'm not surprised that they're doing badly I'm surprised by how badly they're doing hmm. so I think Memphis Depay is a top player you see him going away to Netherlands and consistently most games being talismanic and I think he's got to be that player for Barcelona it's a lot of pressure but it's it's not massively clicked yet from what I can tell you've still got the likes of Frankie De Jong in there Pedri we know how good these players are Busquets uh, Jordi Alba Um, okay admittedly Luke De Jong is is leading the line Um, and that team you think will be improved by an aging Aguero even if he is aging uh, who I think is near to being fit 
But I guess the question is, will they reel in Benfica? They've got three yeah. games to do it. Let's be honest, they're losing to Munich. I believe it's away to Munich, well, they're, so they're, they're losing there. They're losing to Munich unless Munich check out by that point. But Yeah. yeah. And then you assume they're going to... Well, <laughs> you can you assume anything? They'll beat Kiev. So I, it, it'll be a, a, a straight game against Benfica, I'd imagine. Do you think Mr. Miller will buy... Will Barcelona, sorry get through to the knockouts. Probably rests more on that um on that Benfica Kiev or Kiev game, sorry, than anything Barcelona does you think no? Because you feel like Barcelona will at the very least dispatch Kiev a second time. But they weren't great value at the new camp. So no. I, I think in all likelihood you're right, it's probably gonna be a head to head there. I I think they will most likely um, squeak through and beat Benfica but I've, I don't know how much of that is just because in my mind they're Barcelona how would they fail no. um, so much we talked about it before an, ext- an avalanche of negativity at that club um, did you see any of it yesterday just how empty the no. new camp looked no. I saw the highlights but not the... crazy it's a fan base that seems to have checked out on this team which might be you know, that bad atmosphere might be why some of these players like to pie aren't performing to the level we know that they can do. So I just think with all that weighing them down, maybe there's a realistic chance that they do not get through this. I can't remember ever seeing Barcelona in the um, Europa League, but it might be what we're heading towards if Benfica are fired be and motivated by it. So I don't see... OK, there's injuries permitting and obviously trying to fit some kind of system, but a front... Five, so talking Pedri, Frankie de Jong, Depay in front of them, Aguero in front of him, and on the wings, like a Coutinho as he played for Liverpool, that kind of left-wing playmaker position, and Ousmane Dembele on the right wing. That's not, you know, Champions League winning five, but that's definitely a better than Benfica five, or just better than what they've been producing. I, I, I think that would be quite interesting to see, actually. Uh, but obviously injuries permitting. Um, I think that will be a, a really interesting one to see. That Benfica-Barcelona game, uh, I'm not sure when it is, but hopefully the last game of of, of the group stage, that'll be an interesting one. Um, group F. Now this one, it really hurts the read, as I think you can agree. Uh, conceivably, the team that's first should and could well have been last with no points. And that is Manchester United, Ole at the wheel, top of their Champions League group. How have they done it? Perhaps one word, Cristiano, who knows. Followed by Atlanta, then Villarreal, Unai's yellow army, and then young boys propping up the table after their surprise victory against Manchester United. Um, you made a face at me when I said about Cristiano. <laughs> My, and I, I'll pull you up on that face. Last right. moment winners against Villarreal and Atlanta. Yes, true. Very true. I suppose I can't argue with that, can I? I just I take slight umbrage of the idea that he's pulled them through this. I think it gives some otherworldly influence to Cristiano Ronaldo that I feel is slightly overstated, maybe. But sure. 
you're not on this Cristiano train that he well, is. Well, no, you, you've got me. I mean, he scored both of the late winners, hasn't he? So what can I say? I, I just... Yeah. I, I, I saw a tweet uh, today, which I enjoyed. It was something like um, Ole at half time when they were 2 0 down must have just been pumping the Europa League music into the dressing room and suddenly <laughs> Cristiano Ronaldo comes out running like he's 23 again um, uh, uh, look going into it United should be winning this group bearing in mind Villarreal and Atlanta are very decent annoying teams United should be winning that group and the, and the mess they've made of getting to that uh, but, but fair enough they are top at the moment uh, I think is tantamount to the, how mix of a season they're having anyway. Um, quick mention for Virae being in the Europa League spot. Just think that's fitting for Unai. I think he's planned that. That's where he wants to be. Um, but Atlanta, I felt, were pretty hard done by yesterday, uh, playing away at Old Trafford, 2-0 up, and not being able to pull anything away from that game do you think that group will remain as is from honest to be that is kind of how i see it finishing i think atalanta are better than Villarreal, so by token of that then yes probably yeah. um yeah i have many strong feelings on this group other than that obviously the, the the team i despise more than any other but i'm hesitant to say anything about man united this week given that we go to old trafford on sunday which is just always such a horrible fixture to watch so I, I'm sure they'll play mm. well then but you can't be impressed can you as you say you know you take away some late moments and they're nowhere near in that group and it's a group they should be bossing so yeah. uh, I, I'm fine mediocre performances that eventually turn out right don't win you anything but it probably keeps Ole at the wheel which I think is something we all want yeah, which, I, I wasn't which says it all. yesterday. Exactly. But yeah. that, that says it all, doesn't it? Everyone is absolute. Every rival or every fan of a rival team to Manchester United is absolutely fine with how they're doing at the moment. Just yeah. pottering on being average and getting average results. And I think that that says it all. Yeah. Okay, probably the most, uh, I don't. I think dead's pretty harsh, but the <laughs> least glamorous group, Group G, no, still is. has a surprise. It in, is dead, but sure. Okay, it's dead. <laughs> but, so it has RB Salzburg in first, Sevilla in second, Lille third, and Wolfsburg fourth. I think that's a real coming of age for Salzburg. What I mean by it is a somewhat easier group. They've been another one of these teams who've consistently played exciting football, as you well know, with uh, Minamino and I believe Howland at that point. Um, but they were kind of the bridesmaid, never the bride, coming third or fourth, playing nice football, having the odd, oh, that's an amazing result, but then they just could not defend to save their life. And, you know, they were lucky to get into the Europa League. Whereas this time it looks pretty much nailed on that they will be qualifying from this group. Uh if you talk about, obviously, they do not have the same pedigree, but this kind of reinventing themselves like Ajax, they they get absolutely, I've said it before, but pillaged to Salzburg, to their other Red Bull affiliates, you know, that not just their players, but their managers as well. So I think this is a really very valiant performance of them to be first in that group. Disappointing from the likes of Lille, I, I'd say, in Wolfsburg. All those Lille again, you know, winning Ligue 1 last year and just not being the same team. Um, 
very dead. Not much more to say from my point of view. I can, you know, it could. I think Salzburg will finish first. Uh, Sevilla are half decent team, so it could culling on. That's three draws out of their three games. I could see them getting three further draws and qualifying that way. But yes, I'll be honest. That is the weakest of the groups for me. Anything to add there, Mister Miller? Not really. I much for the same reasons as you do. I don't dislike Salzburg at all. I I can't get that far in on them either because they are the definition of a feeder club to both bigger teams in Europe and also RB Leipzig, who seem to be you know Red Bull's main flag bearer in European football. Yeah, so uh, you know they're always going to be in that role. Uh, the other teams in this, obviously, I think um, Lille has been pretty disappointing given last season to absolutely flounder in Ligue and be doing the same here. Sevilla is fine. They'll, you know, they're always second or third in these groups and I have no opinions or particularly knowledge, to be honest, about Wolfsburg. So, yeah. yeah. What you said. Fair enough. What you said. All right, and we'll finish up this roundup with Group H. I think, int- okay, let's be honest. It's got Juve, Chelsea, Zenit and Malmo. The, these top two are going through. But what I find interesting here, Mr Miller, is Juve being top. Obviously, there was that kind of dirty 1-0 win, I believe it was, over Chelsea, which means, watch it, separates the two. But Juventus has been so poor in the league. So, so poor. And you were imagining Chelsea would kind of form there coming in with the European champions to almost dismiss Juventus in this I th- I quite like it I quite and it's going it's you know Allegri's back that old age the old adage of them with Chiellini Bonucci just we're now delict just boring out clean sheets that is where they are the foundations are for them and now look maximum points five goals zero conceded and that is the story of from, of their success I'll be honest with you I don't see Juventus going too far in the competition but you know what? I think they will top this group, which. But I think Chelsea will go further in the competition, which is just a bit of the irony from it. Um, what do you think, Mister? I I would flip it. I would still. Well, I would agree with everything, but I would flip the order slightly in that I feel Chelsea will still pit them to the top spot. That's not necessarily because I believe Chelsea will beat Juventus, but it's I believe that Juventus are going to nil nil one of these layups at some point. I see. But um, but I mean again, arguing over not much at all there. Um, this is a team uh, led by Morata. I don't rate Juventus particularly highly no. at the moment. So like you, I think they'll just meander along until they meet one of the elite teams, and that will be that for them. You know, somebody they can't put in a clean sheet against, no matter how far they try. Um, so I, I agree. I, I think you've you've nailed it again. Chelsea will go further in the competition. I think they'll still win the group. Um Zenit are um you know, a league better than Malmo, so that order will remain the same as well. So it's um a bit of a dead rubber of a group as well, but I I just I don't really rate Juventus and I do rate Chelsea, so Fair enough. And so just the wrap 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 up the Champions League talk. I just wanted a quick look at uh, the top goal scorers uh, because you've got 
Number one, leading the way, as I said earlier, Sebastian Haller, West Ham reject, six goals in the first three games. Incredible. Uh, but this is what I like. Joint second, you have Robert Lewandowski, Mohamed Salah, world-class players, joined by Adama Traore, not the one you're thinking of, everyone, <laughs> from Sheriff, and Antonio Kolak, who I'd not even heard of, I'll be honest with you, until reading this, from Malmo, who are dead last in the group we were just... Uh, speaking about with five goals apiece, I think that is tremendous. Traore and Kolak take a bow, um, and I'm sure you will find yourself on the wanted list at some point. Maybe Newcastle will come calling. Who knows? Um, but yes, obviously Salah being there, he is the best in Europe. That is the end. Uh, anything else to add on the Champions League, Alex? Or shall we round up ending, today's episode? Ending with a controversial point there, uh, one I of course agree with, but. You, you say it like it's nothing. Oh, I just, on current form, Salah, I, the, even the way, for me, uh, you can talk about all the stuff he's doing in the league, uh, the goals he's scoring are miraculous. The goal he scored against Atletico Madrid, I know obviously the Watford goal, unbelievable, and I know there was a deflection and so on and so forth, but the way he got into that position was so messy in his prime, like, to for my eyes anyway, his kind of, is he shooting now? No, he's taking another touch in a confined space. And this wasn't against Watford. <laughs> this was against arguably the best defensive team in European football with a Simeone Atletico. And I just thought he had the ball on a string and he has done all season. Give him whatever he wants. If he wants your right arm, Alex, you give it to him. Yeah, I would. <laughs> and he's saving the planet he was on that earth shot business presenting Am- amazing final yeah amazing four. guy you can't hate him final four on Salah we spoke about it the other week how you know it is a bit of a gamble given he is approaching his 30s quite rapidly now mm. my epiphany on this which is which is why I'm still you know give him anything he wants is that the heartbreak I would go through watching him flop in his early 30s at Liverpool is still less than the heartbreak of watching him play Liverpool in a different shirt. So I've yeah. completely thrown logic out of the window here. I just, I want that guy in Liverpool shirt, good or bad. But let's be honest, it's most likely going to be good. So give the man what he wants. Absolutely. Okay, Mr. Miller, let's, for our final part of today's episode, as it seems to happen when it's just you and I on the show, a bit of cricket chat, indulge me. It is the ICC Men's T20 World Cup. It's already technically started, but the glamorous part starts on Saturday, to be honest. The Super 12 uh, gets underway with Australia-South Africa, big game, followed by us also on Saturday, for for those of you interested, England-West Indies, a, a a replay of the last final, which, of course, did not go our way. Um... Alex, are you excited for the competition? Obviously, I am. Um, it There seems to be a lot of cricket on at the moment, which I guess stands to reason with lots of cancellations and so on. Will you be tuning in this Saturday? If I say no, will you kill me? Now, I, yes. I, I'll probably, it's one of those, I'm less, obviously I'm less into it than you are. It's one I will keep an eye on. I will watch the final when that rolls about, maybe the semi-finals. Um disappointing but okay yeah no no i think i am a bit as a as a sort of a half in half out cricket fan i think maybe i am a little bit fatigued at the moment 
Um, Fair enough. I, I think it's not one of those that are helped with it being a postponement, considering aren't these every two years? So there's one yes. coming up next. So there's one coming up next year as well. So that yeah. that that doesn't really. It will help. be a bit saturated. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But I can see why, as a cricket lover, you're excited about it. it it's like the, I imagine. Although it's not the most prestigious World Cup, I'm, I'm assuming no. that's still very much the 50 over game. But yes. this is, you know, it's going to be exciting. It's still a competition, yeah. Um, still well worth winning, and I'm sure there'll be a lot of um, uh, great moments in it. I guess I just can't quite have the same level of hype when a sport has two slash three different World Cups. Fair enough, even though Which our I, sport is about to have well, a World Cup every two true, years. True, but I, I'm talking sort of different different World Cups being held by different people at the same time. But no, it's very true. I, I will say that I will watch, despite my scepticism now, I'm sure I will end up watching a fair bit of it and I'm sure I will end up enjoying what I watch because I didn't think I would watch as much as of the last actual Cricket World Cup that I did watch and in the end mm. I ended up loving it. So... Who yeah. knows? Maybe this will get me the same way. Island Namibia tomorrow morning, Mr. Yeah, Miller? Yeah, it doesn't whet the appetite. I saw that. Was it Oman versus Scotland today? Maybe that's just yeah. why I'm not feeling the excitement just yet. But what, but it's an interesting way of doing it. Like, just on the eve of the, of the tournament, the, the bit of the minnow countries. So, currently, of this uh, Super 12 teams, which, like I say, is... Okay, the tournament started, but it's, that's the real start of the round robin there. Four, there's only eight teams guaranteed in that Super 12 right now. So in our group as it stands is Australia, ourselves, South Africa, West Indies. I can't tell you exactly who's going to be coming in from the from the rest, but Sri Lanka, Ireland are in the top two, Scotland and Bangladesh. So um, it, it is interesting, I feel, how maybe football could have a look at this. It's kind of bulk qualifying, as it were. Uh, I don't know if Arsene Wenger's actually, there was an idea drafted about that, but this idea that you get those qualifying done for those perhaps smaller nations on the eve of the tournament, and which leads straight into uh, the tournament itself. But I am excited. Obviously, I am. Uh, it will only take one embarrassing defeat for that hmm. balloon to get burst. Um, I think England have a very strong chance of getting to the final I think they're the strongest in that group. Obviously, in T20, you can lose to anyone. And actually, West Indies uh, will probably be one of the strongest teams in the competition. They're kind of like a Pakistan. We're out of nowhere, gone a string of results. They have a team that could bat any nation out of the game if it comes off. Uh, but I do think England should get to the final. Touch wood. But India looks strong. India look very, very strong, as they should do. It is the Asian century. And we're all living in it. Uh, any anybody you're looking forward to see? Let's let's finish on that, Mister Miller. Any England player you're looking forward we were, to seeing this tournament? I thought we were going to finish on your pound shop Barack Obama little jig you just did yeah. there. But um, no, okay. Um, I do like to be known as the pound shop Barack Obama. <laughs> yeah, so that you go in quite well for. To my, yeah. no, I mean. I, I, I guess part of the reason why I'm not as into it as you is this tournament kind of struck me by surprise. I turned on Sky one morning and, oh, oh okay, there's a Cricket World Cup happening. Um, I'm just looking at the groups and the tables now and, you know, that looks quite cool. Australia, England, South Africa, West Indies, plus whoever else they get. 
That's a pretty entertaining looking set of teams there. I like mm. the look of that. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't have opinions on teams to watch and who will go far because I just simply don't have the knowledge to have that kind of conversation. But I'm intrigued by what you've said and I always like England having decent prospects in what they do. So I'm sure mm. I will... Um, pick this up as it goes along maybe not at first it might be a bit more of a slow burner for me but i'm sure um by the end despite my skepticism yeah. i'll be well into it uh and very quickly we uh south africa are a bit of uh well always in a bit of hot water and so on uh this does connect but since we last spoke my team my ipl team chennai super kings won last week i was a very happy boy you and Nick have your American sports. I have my IPL. So my team won. I was very happy. Uh, just something to run by you. It, interesting uh, events. So after the game, uh, Chennai has three South African players within its squad. It, it, its whole squad of like 20, 22 players. And after the game, as you can imagine, each, you know, the ECB, Australia, they wish good luck to their players that are in, in the final. Just a you know, generic thing. Well, after the match, South Africa only congratulated one of the players, a player that didn't play. Oh, because no, actually. Have you seen? I think I've because, seen this. Yes, because oh. he has been, or he's picked in the South Africa squad for this T20 World Cup. The other two who have not retired, a bit in some quarter scene over the hill, a bit older, have not been selected but have not been congratulated at all by Cricket South Africa, which is, you know, seeing as one of them used to be the captain and the other one's taken hundreds of wickets, seems a bit harsh and has been slammed quite rightly, especially seeing as the man who used to be the captain was the the man of the match of the final, scoring 80-odd for us (laughs) uh, and didn't get a mention by Cricket South Africa. Lovely. Uh, And he should be in their squad anyway, and I think that'll be a huge mistake for them. Did he reply to the the Instagram post in question? Uh, Yes, Uh, he did. This is what I think I've seen. He did something like, really, question, question mark, or something like that. And then, uh, I don't know if you heard of Dale Steyn, arguably the greatest... Uh, South African uh, bowler of all time who's just recently re- retired just coming out and publicly slamming it. it it's, it's comical in how ridiculous that decision was, especially on the eve of this World Cup. Why have they done that? Yeah. Is there any explanation? Yeah. Just well, to forget really, two of your players? Because you'd expect that if there was some and I'm sure it was totally political which sadly most uh, sporting issues in South Africa are Um but he, he said that he was available for the World Cup he wanted to play. To hear wanted to play, they've just not been selected. Right. Oh. So it, they've not done anything that I can tell which warranted such a response. But it just it tickled me seeing they congratulate Lungi and Gidi, good player, but didn't even play any game for Chennai this year, I don't believe. Uh, but the man of the match didn't get a sniff of a mention. Um, but yes, that's the happy note we always like to finish <laughs> on on this show. <laughs> Uh, we're going in the right direction. Um, yeah, slightly less uh, dour than my, you know, morality is dead take yeah. at the end of last week. <laughs> well, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it, Mr. Miller. <laughs> uh, but with realism. The, yes, absolutely. But no, thank you once again, Alex, for joining uh, uh, joining me today. It'll be very interesting to see your mood next week after the big game at the weekend. Liverpool against United. I know a lot of Liverpool fans are playing this game down. I've seen, and I've seen United fans, you know, pundits like 
Neville and so on saying, you know what, we always do well against Liverpool, turn it around. I don't see this game going any other way than another Liverpool win. So we shall see how you are feeling next week. But for now, adios, Mr. Miller. Speak to you then.